I invite you to open your Bible uh, for the reading of Holy Scripture from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8. The reading will begin at verse 14. And let me uh, very specifically this morning ask you to open your Bible and keep it open for a specific reason I'll tell you about in just a moment. Before we read God's Word, uh, let us receive the instruction from the Heidelberg Catechism, which is printed in the bulletin. This is to um, uh, set the context, both for the reading of the Scripture and, and the sermon, as we are uh, in this section on Romans, having to do with our having been adopted by the Spirit as the brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, children of the Father. And so the Catechism asks you, believer, why are you called a Christian? I am a member of Christ by faith and thus am a partaker of his anointing so that I may confess his name and present myself as a living sacrifice of thankfulness to him and also so that with a free and good conscience I may fight against sin and Satan in this life and afterwards reign with him eternally over all creatures. Well, why is Christ called the only begotten Son of God since we are also the children of God? Because Christ alone is God's own eternal Son, but we are children adopted of God by grace for his sake. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we rejoice in the gospel of your Son whom you sent into the world to be our brother of flesh and blood that we, by faith in him through the working of your Holy Spirit in us, might be born anew and adopted as your children. Lord, I pray that you will, by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak your gracious word to your children this morning gathered in this place. O oh Lord, grant us hearts to receive your word deeply, and may it transform us and conform us more nearly into the likeness of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God, Romans 8, beginning at verse 14. It is written, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. 
For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of our God stands forever. And to his name be all praise, honor, and glory. And now with your Bibles open to Romans chapter 8, verse 18, would you please read aloud with me? Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I hope that everyone here, I hope that each one of you will memorize this verse and say it to yourself every day, over and over again, from this day forward. Let's read it again. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now, as with all great memory verses, this verse occurs in a larger context. And it's important that we see it in the larger context, which, as we've noted, is the context of our adoption as the children of God, the brothers and sisters of the eternally beloved and only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And that was our focus on verses 12 through 16 last week. And you remember we exclaimed in the words of 1 John chapter 3, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. Yes, out of His great love for us, the Father sent His eternally beloved Son into the world as one of us. The Word became flesh to be our brother. To suffer and to die bearing the wrath of God against our sins in order, as the letter to the Hebrews chapter 2 says, listen, to bring many sons, many adopted sons and daughters to glory. And so we sing, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How deep the pain of searing loss, the Father turns His face away, as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. This is the promise of God's word to his adopted children in Christ in the midst of our suffering in this fallen world. This is God's promise to his beloved children. In the light of the glory which shall be revealed to you, all of your suffering in this present time will be as nothing. If you are experiencing suffering, and if you have lived very long in this fallen world, you are experiencing some kind of suffering. This verse tells you where to find your comfort and strength and peace and hope. 
not by looking back and trying to figure it out. Not by looking back for some kind of explanation that makes some kind of sense of it. Not by looking back and wishing that it could somehow have been otherwise and would have been if you had done thus and so. No. But rather by looking forward. Looking forward with faith in God's promise through Christ to the glory that is yet to be revealed to us. The Christian faith is ultimately a future-oriented faith, an eternity-oriented faith. One thing that we contemporary American Christians, you know, who must have it our way right now, one of the things that's hard for us to understand, but what we must learn to understand, is that all our answers and all our happiness and all our fulfillment And all that we hope for and all that we long for will not be found in our brief lifespan in this fallen world. But this verse tells us, Christians, that the Spirit-adopted brothers and sisters of Jesus will, when he comes again, see the glory of redemption. The redemption of the entirety of our lives, body and soul. Indeed, the redemption of the entire creation which Christ has purchased by his death and guaranteed by his resurrection. This is not simply about going to heaven when we die. This is about heaven coming to earth. Now, you see, this world as it now is, is fallen in sin. It is, as the scripture says, subjected to futility. Everything winds down. It is in bondage to decay. It is not now as God created it in the beginning very good. Romans 5.12 tells us that sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And that, Adam's sin, is the origin of and the cause of all the suffering in this fallen world. But the gospel of Jesus Christ assures us that there will be a new creation set free from its bondage to corruption, delivered from all evil, free from decay, destruction, and death, a new creation which itself will share in the freedom of the glory of the children of God. A new creation fully redeemed and renewed as the beautiful and blessed dwelling place of God with his adopted children in Christ. For the spirit-adopted brothers and sisters of Jesus, there is a day coming, a great and glorious and eternal day coming, when in the words of J.R.R. Tolkien, Everything sad is going to come untrue. We all, myself included, need to keep that hope ablaze with spiritual fire as we experience suffering in this fallen world. 
You see, at this point, it, it may seem as though we've hit somewhat of a contradiction. This passage assures us that we are the beloved children of God, the adopted brothers and sisters of Jesus. The Father loves us as much as he loves his eternally begotten Son. And in this very same passage, in the very same sentence, it tells us that we will suffer. That's not a contradiction. That's the key. Our union with Christ. You see, Scripture teaches us as believers, as believers, to expect suffering in this world. And and in fact, it calls us to embrace our suffering in faith as part and parcel of what it means to be a Christian. Verse 17 says that we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. Now, that does not mean that we earn or merit our inheritance of glory by our suffering. It simply means that our suffering with Christ in this world is a sign. It is a verification. It is an authentication. It is a proof that we are indeed his brothers and sisters. On the night of the Last Supper, Jesus said, In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The Apostle Paul encouraged new converts, saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. The point here is that our suffering in this world prior to entering into glory is based on the pattern of Jesus himself. Hebrews 5.8 says that though he was the Son of God, Jesus himself, quote, learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus had to go through this. He bore the cross before he wore the crown. And so do all who follow him in true faith. Hebrews 12.2 says that for the joy that was set before him, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, Jesus fixed his mind, his heart, his soul on the joy set before him. The joy of being at the right hand of his father. The the joy of having us as his adopted brothers and sisters. The joy of eternal glory. And for that joy, he endured the cross, despising the shame, counting it as nothing, as not worth comparing to the glory which would be revealed. And so it must be with us as well if we are true followers of Christ. You see, the New Testament consistently teaches us that in this fallen world, God sovereignly uses suffering as a means tool in his hand, scalpel in the hand of the surgeon, to conform us to the image of his son. That's a reality in the Christian life. 
And therefore, as God's beloved adopted children in Christ, when we experience the sufferings of this present time, you see, this passage reminds us we can be sure that God is working all things together for good. That's coming up at verse 28, just a little bit. You see, same, same context. God is working all things together for good, and those all things include all the sufferings of this present time. And therein is our assurance that we are fellow heirs with Christ of the glory that is to be revealed. Now, the sufferings of this present time come into our lives in various ways. We may suffer overt persecution because we are Christians. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. For thousands of people around the world today, that means the literal martyrdom of their lives. For us, it may be as slight as social ostracism. We ought to count it as nothing. But I dare say that if we are not willing to suffer the slights of society today, we'd probably not be willing to offer our lives tomorrow that we may be called to do so. There are also the sufferings of this present time of a more ordinary type that come simply from the fact that we live in a fallen world. Life is difficult. We don't always get our way. In fact, it's quite necessary for us as Christians for us not always to get our way. So this has to do with the suffering with and for Christ that comes from taking up our cross, denying ourselves, and following Jesus in his way, in our everyday life. It means dying daily for the sake of Christ, no longer living for ourselves, but for him who for our sake died and was raised and has opened the gates of glory for us. And you see, when we surrender ourselves to God's will in our daily lives, daily decisions, when we submit ourselves in obedience to God's word in daily life, when we kill, mortify the sinful impulses and inclinations within us, that suffering brings us into closer conformity with the likeness of Jesus as his adopted brother or sister, and it proves us to be a fellow heir with Christ of the glory that is to be revealed. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, die daily, and follow me. And then there is, for some, in God's mysterious ways, a more severe suffering. And some of you know what I mean. Something that we don't want to happen, happens. And it brings suffering into our life. Something we want to happen, doesn't happen. And it brings suffering into our life. Disease. Disease. 
tragedy, deep disappointments which change the course of your life, things that are not your fault, things that you could not control, but you suffer because of them. Now, how in that situation do we suffer with him, Christ, in order that we may be glorified with him? I think in those cases of suffering, we suffer with Christ, first of all, by allowing our suffering to draw us nearer to Christ through deeper meditation on how much he suffered for us. When in the midst of our suffering, our prayer is, draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 precious Lord, to thy precious, bleeding side. When that is our prayer, focused on the suffering of Christ for us, then our suffering in this fallen world becomes a means of deeper communion with Christ himself. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, says the prophet Isaiah. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet how can we really know Christ in this way unless in the midst of our suffering we come to him in faith, To find our comfort and our peace and our strength through his suffering for us. And when we do enter into deeper communion with Christ through our suffering. When we identify our suffering with his suffering. His suffering with our suffering. Then listen. Our suffering becomes our witness. Christ, in the midst of our suffering, becomes our witness. People will see Christ in you in the midst of your suffering. God's power will be made perfect in your weakness. The life of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God dwelling in you, will give life to you when otherwise, naturally, you would just as soon die. And therefore, in the midst of this suffering, as the adopted children of God who cry out, Abba, Father, just as Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane, the, 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 the prayer which, which the Holy Spirit teaches us here in Romans 8, Abba, Father, is the prayer which Jesus uttered in His agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. And by that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit in the midst of our suffering, To live with the hope of glory in what appears to be a hopeless situation. There we are with Christ in the garden. And there he is with us in our suffering. And thereby the gospel of Christ is proclaimed in and through our suffering. Just as the gospel was proclaimed in and through his suffering. When we offer up our suffering to the glory of God for Christ's sake, we are suffering with him who offered up his suffering to the glory of God for our sake. So even as the scripture is very realistic about the suffering in this present world, at the same time it unflinchingly affirms 
And as we shall see when we come to the conclusion of Romans 8, indeed, the the all-powerful sovereignty of God over all things, the unwavering love of God for his people in Christ, the unimaginable glory of God which is yet to be revealed to us who are the adopted brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, his fellow heirs, (laughs) fellow heirs of the everlasting kingdom of God. God himself, we are heirs of God. God himself in the beauty of his holiness, in the greatness of his grace and power and wisdom and love, God himself is our inheritance and our portion forever. He is ours and we are his as his own beloved children. And therefore, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. This is the revealed word of God sealed with the blood of Christ and guaranteed by his resurrection. Do you believe it? Are you a believer in Christ? Crucified, risen, and ascended to the right hand of the Father for your salvation. Forsaking all others, do you look to him alone for your salvation? With faith and love and gratitude and joy. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in you. The scripture says to believers in Christ that the the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. Do you know in your spirit that you are an adopted child of God by grace through Jesus Christ, that his father is your father? Do you know that you know that you know that you know that? is the witness of the Holy Spirit in you. And so be assured that in your status as an adopted brother or sister of Jesus, the full status of a child of God alongside Jesus Christ, the eternally beloved, only begotten Son of God. You are an heir of the kingdom of God in all of its glory, all of its perfection, all of its beauty and grace and joy and fullness of life forevermore. You've been born again by the Spirit of God, Spirit adopted as a son or daughter of God. You have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you one day. Beloved, adopted brother or sister of Jesus, one day you are going to wake up and your worst nightmare is going to be over forever. And as incredible as it sounds, it is the promise of God that your suffering in this present time will not be worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to you and in you. You are going to share in the glory of God as a brother or sister of his son, Jesus Christ, in the perfect fellowship of all his redeemed people, in the blessedness of infinite happiness forever. Let that be your comfort, your strength, your peace, your hope in this present time. Will you let your heart burn with this hope? Will you let this promise change the way you think about your life and your suffering in this fallen world? Will you let this divine promise reorient your life heavenward? Especially in the midst of your suffering in this fallen world. Don't look back. 
look forward. The sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. To God be the glory. Amen. Let us pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your love, for your compassion, for your power to redeem, for the victory of Jesus Christ over death and the grave and all things evil. Grant us grace, O Lord, now to live on earth as citizens of heaven. Empower us with the joy of the Holy Spirit that we may live as those who shall live with you forever. Through Christ our Savior. Amen. In response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, let us stand to affirm our faith, affirming the faith of the one church of Jesus Christ throughout history and throughout the world as we say together the Apostles' Creed. (coughs) Christian, in whom do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. may be seated. It is my joy to invite Lee and Randy Causey and Caroline and Emily Causey to come forward for their uh, vows of membership covenanting together uh, with us as a family of faith. Emily and Lee and Caroline and Randy met with a session this morning and affirmed these vows, and we are uh, delighted to receive them and thankful to receive them into the the fellowship of our uh, congregation here. And as they stand before you to uh, affirm these vows of membership, I want to encourage each of you to uh, each of you members to reaffirm these vows in your own hearts silently and to take them very seriously. And those of you who are visiting, uh, this will give you an introduction to the, uh, the, the basic vows for our membership uh, here in the life of Covenant Presbyterian Church. And so, uh, Randy and Caroline and Lee and Emily, do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure, 
without hope for your salvation except in His sovereign mercy. Do you? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Savior of sinners? And do you sincerely receive and depend upon Christ alone for your salvation as He is offered in the gospel? Do you? Do you now promise and resolve in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you? Do you promise to serve Christ in His church by participating together with this congregation in its worship of God and ministry to others to the best of your ability? Do you? Do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church and to the spiritual oversight of this church session, and do you promise to promote the unity, purity, and peace of the church? Do you? Will the congregation please stand? Do you, the members of this congregation, now welcome Randy and Lee, Caroline and Emily into our fellowship? Do you promise them uh, your Christian love and care and extend to them the right hand of fellowship? Do you? Let us pray. Almighty and ever gracious God, we give you thanks that as you have called us and adopted us to be your children, so, that, so you gather us together in particular families of faith. And we thank you that as the Causey family has come to be joined with us, that we would be truly joined with them, that all together we might know the reality of belonging to Jesus Christ as members of his body. And so we pray for the continuing work of your Holy Spirit in us that we might continue to grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ unto that full maturity which is in him to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Randy and Lee, Caroline and Emily, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And we welcome you with joy. God bless. Congregation may be seated. In the concerns and celebrations this morning, please note that Irma George has returned uh, to her home here in Monroe. Uh, the Guatemala mission team has uh, taken off and is uh, en route. We want to continue to pray for them. Every day, the names are listed there in the bulletin um, and specific prayer requests. Also, please continue to remember Lee Pearson, who continues in rehab at St. Francis, Whitney Alexander in rehab in Baton Rouge. And we continue steadfastly in prayer for our uh, fellow uh, EPC pastor, Andrew Brunson, uh, who is imprisoned unjustly in Turkey, and for his wife, Noreen, and their children. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, all who call upon him in truth. Let us pray. Our gracious Father in heaven, we give you thanks that in your great love for us, you have made a way for us to come and draw near to your throne of grace, to find grace and mercy to help. In our time of need. We acknowledge our Father. That from you comes every good and perfect gift. 
Lord, we are daily sustained by your good and faithful providence. We pray that you would forgive us for all of the ways in which we are unmindful of your goodness and your blessings. We too easily take for granted those evidences of your good care for us. And so we pray, our Father, that as our hearts would be increased with thanksgiving, so they would be increased in generosity toward others, that we, as your children, growing in the likeness of your Son, would, imitating you, be more loving and kind and gracious and generous to those around us. We do ask that you would receive our thanks, O Lord, for every blessing of body and soul. We thank you for the blessings of family, fellowship of your church, daily bread, clean clothes, clean water, peaceful neighborhoods, and the simple goodnesses of life. We pray for your blessing upon your church throughout the earth. We do pray, our Father, that you would increase our love for you and our love for one another. Help us as a congregation to grow in faith, in truth, in hope. We pray for your continuing blessing upon the construction of a new sanctuary. But even more so, we pray, O Lord, that you would be building us up as your holy temple in which your spirit dwells so that we might be more effective witnesses in our own community, living as the light of the world and the salt of the earth and showing the love of Christ to all around us. Grant us grace and grant us courage, O Lord, to serve you in righteousness and holiness. Grant us that grace whereby we may take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. We pray for your people throughout this community and your church throughout the world. Oh Lord, we pray that the light of the gospel would pierce the darkness of this world and that the peace of the heavenly kingdom would be more and more shed abroad upon the earth. We pray, therefore, our Father, that you would restrain the work of evil, that you would cast down those who seek to shed innocent blood, that you would bring the nations of the earth into a greater civility and peaceableness so that the gospel might flourish and the earth be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We pray for our nation and for those who serve in offices of authority, for our president, the members of Congress, the members of cabinet, those who sit in seats of justice. We pray, our God, that you would rule and overrule in their heart and mind. We pray that you would compel them to do that which is right and good and honorable in your sight. And now we commend into your care those of our number who have special need of body and soul. We 
pray your blessing of comfort and peace upon Irma and Lee and Whitney. We pray, dear Lord, for Will and Kai and Cornet and Luke and Heath and Joe King and Paul and our partners in Cross Commission in Guatemala. Lord, we pray that you would be with them for safe travel, spiritual fellowship, physical health and strength, joy in effective ministry. Bless them, we pray, and establish the work of their hands. And now, our Father, we commend ourselves to you and seek the blessing of your grace. We thank you that you care for us, and so we cast all our cares for you. And we rejoice in the promise that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that shall be revealed to us, because you have given unto us your eternal Son to be our brother, that we might be adopted as your children and heirs of your kingdom. And therefore we pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In response to God's mercies, let us offer ourselves to him as living sacrifices as we present the tokens of our lives.
Sim. 